TGIM, Team RE. This is episode 329. I've started to notice that expectations, when you put expectations on things, you're kind of putting a time limit on things or, or you're trying to uh, predict how something will turn out or how someone will react. So I've tried to do my best to uh, limit my expectations and just do, do what I can, you know, with the time that I have in each day not put so many expectations on things anymore. Life is always working in your favor. You can't heal in the same environment you became sick. Welcome to the Recovery Elevator podcast. My name is Odette Kressler. Thank you so much for joining us. On today's podcast, we've got Dane. Dane took his last drink October 11th, 2020. He is from Washington State, and he is 32 years old. Friendly reminder that Season 2 of the Recovery Elevator podcast is winding down, and Season 3 is starting on Monday, June 21st. And we don't want to give away what we have in store for Season 3, but just so you know, we are continuously working towards having fun, staying authentic, and helping people along the way. Thank you once again to everyone that supported us and me during season two. This has been an amazing experience, and I feel extremely grateful I get to do this. Alrighty, let's work on finding your better you. I heard something that made me perk up my ears a few days ago. I heard it from a fitness instructor. Fine, I'll say it. I heard it while I was riding my beloved Peloton. We were getting to a tough part of a workout when the instructor said something along the lines of, All right, everyone, I know you're getting tired and I know we've done a lot of work so far, so let's make sure we all reach into our arsenal of whys and keep going. Hmm. Arsenal of whys. That made me think of Simon Sinek's book called Start With Why. In this book... Simon expresses the importance of having a why. It's a business book that breaks down why some businesses thrive while others don't. It comes down to making sure that every business has a clear why that is always present. I remember when I was working on my post-treatment plan at rehab. A therapist let me know that I had to make sure that I knew why I wanted to get better. Why was I putting myself through rehab? Why was I choosing to get better? Why? At that point in my life, I wanted to start a family. And I knew that I had to get better if I wanted to do that. That pushed me. It made me follow a meal plan even on the days where I wanted to just rip it up and throw it in the trash. It made me grow grit during the struggle of recovering my relationship with food. So I love adopting this concept of finding your why to all aspects of recovery. Simon Sinek says, There are only two ways to influence human behavior. You can manipulate it or you can inspire it. In other words, and this isn't Simon speaking, this is just me, actions can be driven by fear, as he calls it here, manipulation, or they can be driven by love, inspiration. Okay, this is back to him. He says, Very few people or companies can clearly articulate why they do what they do. By why, I mean your purpose, cause, or belief. 
why does your company exist? Or in our case, why do I want an alcohol-free life? Why do you get out of bed every morning? He then later explains how our why comes in when our willpower, energy, and motivation run out. He says, Charisma has nothing to do with energy. It comes from a clarity of why. It comes from absolute conviction in an idea bigger than oneself. Energy, in contrast, comes from a good night's sleep or lots of caffeine. Energy can excite, but only charisma can inspire. Charisma commands loyalty. Energy does not. So on days when recovery sucks and you feel like you have nothing left in your tank, you need to channel your why. And back to the Peloton class I was taking. It's not just one why, but more than one. An arsenal. An arsenal. I literally had to Google this word, guys, because I can't even pronounce it right, and I didn't know exactly what it meant. Arsenal. So here's the definition. Arsenal. A collection of weapons and military equipment stored by a country, person, or group. Or an array of resources available for a certain purpose. Uh Aha. So, our purpose, to stay on a path of an alcohol-free life, right? Set your mental recovery army for success with an arsenal of whys. I wanted to get sober to change the trajectory of my family. I want to stay sober so that my kids can have a healthy, not perfect, role model. I want to stay sober to have energy to get me through my days. I want to stay sober so that I can have a healthier and longer life. I want to stay sober so that I can break toxic patterns in our society. I want to stay sober today to protect and maintain healthy relationships in my life. Guys, I get emotional reading this list. We need this so that we can pull from it when we need it. So that we can pull from it on the hard days. Because we will have hard days. I read this meme the other day. It said, hard days are part of a good life. We all have days where we want to give up. And that, my friends, is when you're going to go and dig in to that arsenal of whys. All right. Eso es todo. And before we hear from Dane, let's hear from my favorite resource on this journey, Cafeary. For years, I tried to control my drinking on my own, but I always felt alone and like I needed something else. When I discovered Cafe RE, I realized there were so many people just like me looking for a better life. Cafe RE is a private, unsearchable Facebook group that provides 24-7 access to a community of people whose goal it is to live a life without alcohol. In Cafe RE, you'll find authentic connection, love, and encouragement. With supportive and educational webinars hosted throughout the week, there are plenty of opportunities to connect with others on the same path. Cafe RE is a place where we grow and learn together. And with golden rule number 22, we have a lot of fun while doing it. For just $24 a month, you'll have access to the community, all of our online webinars, the opportunity to attend in-person meetups, get discounts on sober travel trips, and get assigned an accountability partner. 10% of monthly membership even goes towards our service project, where we partner with nonprofits to help those affected by addiction. Head over to recoveryelevator.com and use the promotional code OPPORTUNITY to waive the setup fee. Again, use a promo code OPPORTUNITY to waive the setup fee. We hope to see you there. Dane, welcome to the show. How are you today? 
I am doing awesome, Odette. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. We are recording on a Friday, and I've had a long work week, so I am ready. <laughs> yes, I'm with you there. And let's get right to it, Dane. When was the last time you had a drink? Uh, the last time that I had a drink was actually back in October 11th of 2020. October 11th, 2020. And can you let us know a little bit about yourself, Dane? Can you let us know where you're from? Do you have a family? What do you do for a living? And what do you like to do for fun? Yes. Yeah, so I, I actually live in Washington State, about three hours east of Seattle in a desert area. So it's, it's pretty nice where I live. It's not, you know, rainy like the Seattle area is. And then, so what I do right now is I'm a buy and hold real estate investor. So I like to buy, you know, duplexes or triplexes and then fix them up and keep them as rentals. And I also work out at our Hanford site, which is our nuclear site here in town for a subcontractor for DOE. And I'm doing the janitorial work out there. And so that's a, that's a 410 schedule. So I just work Monday through Thursday and then can work on my pro properties over the weekend. I'm 32 years old and I'm not married right now, but I, I do have a son on the way who should be due in June, either 20th through the 29th, somewhere in the at the end of June. So Congrats! Definitely excited. Thank you. Thank you. Nervous and excited for that. That's for sure. It's going to be a wild ride. It's going to be so much fun. Yes. Yes. And I, I was an only child. And, and since I'm a boy, I kind of I kind of know what to expect with that. So I'm just going to make it as fun as possible. <laughs> <laughs> and what do you like to do for fun, Dane? So for fun, traveling has always been my number one. And, and so that that's just going to different places to, to figure out the cultures and the history and then the type of food they love to eat there. That's, that's definitely at the top of my list. And then kind of for my day-to-day -day stuff, I, I love to do CrossFit and yoga and then being on the river as much as possible, boating, and then meditation. I'm trying to get back into it um, and make it a regular habit. That's amazing. I know we all miss traveling, and I love that you said that you just really like exploring other cultures. It's really nice when we kind of get out of our own little world and understand somebody else's. So hopefully we'll all be back to traveling at some point, sooner than later. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's exactly what I'm looking forward to. Thank you so much, Dane. And give listeners some background on your history with alcohol. When did you start drinking? When did you realize alcohol wasn't serving your life? And yeah, just tell us your story. So I started drinking alcohol when I was in, I was probably a sophomore in high school. I just remember the first time I, I drank was with a buddy and we, we drank, you know, almost a fifth and we felt really good. It didn't necessarily make us black out or, or do anything dumb we just kind of enjoyed the the feeling of it and then uh, moved on from there and never really started drinking too much until you know the next year junior year where beer was the drink of choice and you know it was always beer pong or or parties um, I kind of had a lot of house parties growing up through high school and it nothing ever really happened until I got to, to college where, you know, you were mixing a lot of beer with hard alcohol. And I just started to notice things going downhill there. And it's, it's kind of where 
I had a rock bottom moment, if you don't mind me going there first. No, of course. Or did you want to ask that later? No, of course. Go ahead. Okay, so so basically I was in a fraternity while I was at college and I had had a lot to drink during the day and I decided to drive back to to my house, which was a couple couple hours away from my college that night. And I got in a car accident where it was a rollover accident and uh, a truck driver actually had already called 911. And so I was, I was airlifted to a nearby hospital, but they couldn't do anything for the severity of the accident. So they, they uh, took me to OHSU, which is in Portland, Oregon. And from there, I, I was in the hospital for uh, 30 days. And I had what was called a degloving accident on my left arm. And so it just basically takes your skin and then peels it over itself. And so it's kind of something from a horror movie. Um, the, oh, the pictures man. that I have of it. Yeah, but but then I decided once I, you know, got better after about a year of healing, I, I wanted to go back to college and, and get my degree just to show I can do that. So I went back and uh, the first two months, I actually didn't drink. I was still kind of on some pain pills and, and just, you know, enjoyed myself not drinking. But as we all know, you, you kind of steadily get back into it and it, it actually becomes worse. And I noticed after that accident, I couldn't handle my alcohol anymore. I was someone who was drinking, you know, 10 to 20 drinks at a time. And it was usually on the weekends with friends. And I, I couldn't do that anymore. And so I started to have blackouts and obviously you don't remember what you do during blackouts and it just went downhill from there. When you had your accident, which I'm sorry, I mean, that does sound straight out of a horror movie. And when that happened and you had a car wreck, you were drinking and driving. Were you at that point mm -hmm. in your own mind questioning your relationship with alcohol or did you think, you know, it was just a dumb drunken party night the way that I'm sure you were surrounded by these parties all the time I feel like they're part of the college experience so were you just mm -hmm. questioning your consumption or did you just think you just made the right the wrong call and you were irresponsible and that was the consequence you know I, I kind of had uh, a bunch of things going through my head one was yeah that was a that was a dumb mistake and I, I hadn't really drank any more than than usual so I you know it was just something I shouldn't have done but then there's obviously because I was taking psychology at the time as well I started to look at it and said okay so this is the moment where everybody looks at drinking and say okay you have a problem that's definitely not serving you in your life so you need to stop well as I kind of kept going through college and was uh, with the people I was with it just kind of, you get back into it and you feel like, okay, this is normal. This is what everybody does. And so I was always struggling with that. The, you know, the years after college of, I knew I should quit drinking, but I just, I, I would kind of moderate it and just save it for the weekend and then would binge on the weekends and think, okay, that's just normal. That's, that's how, you know, I'll get through life because everybody else is doing it that way. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And we do tend to surround ourselves by people who are doing very similar behaviors. And that just kind of prolongs our own 
our own denial. But I, I'm just always curious to hear kind of like when that thought process started kicking in of questioning, like, ooh, I wonder if I have a problem. So, so thanks for answering that. And what happened after college? So after college, I actually moved uh, to the Seattle area because a lot of my friends lived there. I mean, I wanted to get the, you know, the larger city experience. But what I did notice was I would have those weekends where I would, you know, binge with all my friends again. And then I would feel it for the next two to three days, the anxiety and, you know, just being lethargic. And I started to distance myself. I, I moved to an outer city of Seattle. Um, the Issaquah area, and I started to distance myself to where I would I wouldn't hang out with my friends anymore because I I knew that I would drink a lot, and it it just wouldn't take me down a good path. And I also started going home to visit the family more often, and and finally realized with my real estate business that I wanted to pursue, uh, plus not wanting to drink anymore that that moving home was was my best option, and so that's what I did. And what, what ended up happening with your relationship with alcohol or how did that start progressing more and more? I would still keep the, the drinking to the weekends for the most part, unless there was a huge event uh, during the week. But I just realized that no matter what I did, a, a blackout would occur and I would just, uh, I would do something that's so out of character that I didn't really know the person that I was anymore. So when did you attempt to stop drinking or what, what happened afterwards? Like you knew you were having these blackouts, you knew you were saving yourself for the weekend and then binging, but then did you have mm -hmm. another moment where you were like, shit, I got to stop or how did, how did you get here? Yeah. Yeah. So basically it was, uh, it was with a girlfriend, the, the most recent one. And we got into an argument that night and I didn't remember any of it. It was just, she, she said that I seemed actually fine during, during the argument. I wasn't slurring my words or anything, but she had moved, you know, all my stuff out of the house. Um, and I had two that night as well. And the only thing I remember from that night was uh, driving back to my house. And then I fell asleep because I was so tired, but waking up that next morning, Obviously, I had that shame and the, the guilt and the anxiety, and I, I just kept asking myself, you know, how many more chances do you give yourself before you just, you accept the fact that, you know, the life that you want is not going to come if you continue to drink. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was the, that October 11th uh, date of when my last drink was. So was this, this is your first go around then, your first attempt? Mm, I wouldn't say that. I, I, I'd say a lot of the other times I would just avoid my friends on the weekends and I'd make it, you know, two weeks at a time and then I'd go back to it. So there was no real plans in place. It was just avoiding and, you know, realizing that I had won for those couple weekends, but then I would... I would realize, okay, I can do it. So now I can just go back to it and kind of try and moderate. Yeah. So tell me about just the way that you were functioning. Were you super high functioning? And then like you said, this girlfriend you had said you even looked and sounded normal. So did anybody ever approach you and was like, oh man, I think you're drinking too much or 
nobody knew except you? Was it just a you against yourself thought process? How was all of that? I, I think it was once that that car accident happened, it, it kind of put a bullseye on me because then all my friends, you know, looked at me as I, I was a big time party person that, you know, could handle his alcohol for the most part but then when they saw that happen to me they realized it could happen to anybody but like I said I think it it put kind of me more on the map in terms of that was pretty much almost dying from from a substance like alcohol that that means you have a problem and so yeah there was people that would talk to me that would ask if I have ever thought about you know quitting or trying to moderate which obviously we know we can't do What was your reaction when people would talk to you about that? It was more, I, I really, because I love psychology so much, I would want to get down to the depths of it and, and say, you know, give me an example. What's the time, you know, specifically? And a lot of times it would just be like, you know, you, you drink 10 to 20 drinks, that, that right there is enough. And so it was just, it was something that I was trying to look at and, and realize myself that I had a problem, even with everybody, you know, around me trying to say, just because of the amounts I was consuming, it didn't have to be a certain, you know, example there. Yeah. And I feel like with the background that you're sharing that you had, you, you had a lot of information that people maybe find themselves Googling or trying to find quick <laughs> answers when they're wondering, but you were already exposed oh, yeah. to a lot of information. So Did you kind of already know that you would eventually have to quit? You were just, it was just a matter of time yeah. before you had to pull the plug? Yeah, exactly. And it's funny, uh, listening to the podcast and then hearing you say that, I, I would Google a lot of the times, you know, how to quit drinking. I would even Google, you know, famous people that have quit drinking just to see like their daily routines and how you can live a life without alcohol. Because obviously when you're in it, you don't think that there's any way that you can't go to a function like a, a football game or even out to dinner or, or something like that without having alcohol there. So yeah, I was on Pinterest a lot. I was on Google a lot. And this started, you know, five years ago or so. So obviously I knew I wanted to stop. I just didn't know how. Yeah. And there is that that inner kind of struggle of even though you know that you're going to end up there, there is some resistance, or at least I'm speaking for myself. Did you feel any resistance? Like, I just, I know it's going to happen, but I don't want to, you know, it was just not being able to see things differently. Sometimes is paralyzing. Did that kind of happen to you? Oh, most definitely. Just because it was, it was the hard thing to do, you know, and, and a lot of times we don't want to do the hard thing, even though we know it's the best thing for us and for the future of our lives. And a lot of times we're living in the now, um, trying to get the most out of life in the moments that we're living. And just to see how backward, you know, people that are alcoholics think, we're thinking, if we're going to have our best life, there's got to be alcohol in it. But I've definitely started to realize I'm the happiest I've been in, you know, since high school, probably, even maybe even before that, I feel the best I've ever felt. And just just the more tools and learning that we we gained throughout, you know, our journey of being sober, it just it just compounds and makes it that much better. I can never see going back to drinking right now. 
Yeah, once you know, it's hard to unknow. And that's why Paul always says that this podcast ruins drinking for people because then it's just hard to pretend <laughs> like you don't know things about you that you're so like, oh, true. no. But um, what happened on October yeah. 10th, Dane? What happened on the 10th? Did you kind of plan out your last drink? Was it an organic decision? No. Yeah, talk to me about those final days leading up to your date. Yeah, that was that was the date. Uh, actually, my birthday is, let's see, September 30th. And so it was kind of about a week later or so. But what had happened was I had that argument with my girlfriend and, and I didn't even remember it. And, you know, contact was cut off for a while until we tried to work through things. And and just the, the not knowing what, what had happened or what I said or did, that was enough for me to finally be like you know what you've you've done so many things while you were drinking that what when is the cutoff like when is when's the time that you're actually going to to stop for good and and that was enough for me wow that's powerful because you came to the realization on your own and I mean, I, I'm certainly glad. And you said that you would Google and try to even understand how people did this. How do sober people even go through a day and what does their life look like? So what did you end up yeah. doing when you decided and you were in it? How were those first couple weeks, 30 days? So <laughs> the, the next three days were the recuperation period, which is what I was used to after going on, you know, a, a bender like that for a weekend and drinking. And so once I was finally clear headed, I just kept doing what I was doing. I, I started to look up, you know, people and what, how they live their day to day without the alcohol and what to do. And honestly, I don't know if it was that day or the day after, but I found Cafe RE and I started listening to it and I could relate so much to you and Paul and when he was talking about, you know, the, the 15 to 20 drinks or whatever it was that he was consuming, I was like, God, you know, I, I do the same thing. And just hearing everybody's story, just like I'm doing right now, was so, it, it was almost like a weight was lifted because then you feel, you feel like you're not the only one that, that feels this way or does the things that they do when they're drinking. Because you know that you're a good person. You just, you keep beating yourself up over and over again each time you you take take that drink again. You kind of you realize even though you are a good person, you're not you're not showing your your full and true character with that substance in your life. Yeah, and that shame definitely gets lifted when we hear our story and other people's stories, and also when we share our own. So I mean, look at you now. You're now contributing, and and I always love telling guests who join us that you never know whose life you're going to change. You know, you never know if you're going to be that guy that somebody listens to and says, oh, I listened to this interview with a guy named Dane and his story sounded just like mine. And that's what <laughs> yep. that's what gave me the courage. And, and then sometimes we become that tipping point for somebody else. So that's that's so cool to hear. And so you were listening to the podcast. Anything else you were doing? How are you getting over cravings and that cognitive dissonance of your mind? I'm assuming telling you, oh, no, like we can probably just have one. It's so it's so bizarre to me how those thoughts creep in, even after we've decided and felt consequences and have 
said no more. They always come back, especially in those early stages of sobriety. So how did you handle that? That that was the weird thing with me was that I was always I was always kind of a binge drinker. I wasn't, you know, someone that had to have alcohol every day, which was very strange to me. I, I don't know why I was like that. And so basically I just treated those first that first week as the recovery period and then listening to as many of the podcasts as possible and then getting back in and making sure that my workout routine and yoga routine and then the way that I eat is top priority, even if it's all time consuming, knowing that that's the healthiest thing I can do for my my body and my mind, I, I decide to make those you know, things that I'm going to do every day with no questions asked. And so that right there alone just helps, just helps to kind of keep you on the right track, knowing if you're doing the the good things for your body and your mind, that no matter what else happens, you, you're on the right track. And, and as far as the cravings go, when I'm around it, there's, oh, there is so many times where I'm just like, God, a, a cold beer, or or even a shot would be awesome right now but but it's 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 only when i'm in the actual experience so if i'm out to a restaurant or you know around family uh, at a gathering or with friends and 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 everybody is drinking it it is kind of difficult sometimes but i i just kind of go back to the way that it'll make me feel and the possibilities of what i may do or say and that's enough for me to kind of to stay away. Yeah, that self-awareness and that brutal honesty with yourself is so important just to know that, oh, it, for me, I always say it's it's just an illusion. I, I know the outcome and it's not the outcome that I that I think it's going to be. But um, I want to just really quickly go back to binge drinking because I want to make sure that everyone who's listening understands binge drinking. And I mean, binge drinking is when people consume large quantities of alcohol in one single session. So what Dane here was talking about is that, you know, maybe some people have a really hard time reconciling the fact that they do have a problem with alcohol because binge drinkers can go days without drinking and then boom, there's an occasion or there's sometimes the binges are planned or not and then they can drink a lot in like... Dane is mentioning maybe a weekend or a vacation or a holiday or an event. And, you know, a lot of the times when we're questioning our drinking, we we want to fit in the box. Well, I don't drink every day, so I'm probably not an alcoholic or I don't have a problem with alcohol. And that's when I, I, I sound like a broken record by now, but I encourage everyone to just ask themselves different questions because your behaviors with alcohol may look very different than the person sitting next to you, but the outcome is the fact that you have a negative consequence from the behavior. You know, that's what I try to get to. Is this becoming a problem for you in your life? Whether or not you feel like you fit the definition of an alcoholic to the T, who really cares about that? You know, the problem is, are you having negative negative effects and repercussions in your life due to your relationship with alcohol? So keep that in mind. You know, if you're at that contemplation stage where you feel like, you could go three weeks without drinking and then you find yourself drinking a ton to five days out of the week, you could still have a problem with alcohol, you know? So thank you for pointing that out, Dane, because I think a lot of people are hesitant to attempt quitting drinking because we do keep on justifying how we don't 
belong in this group of non-drinkers, mm -hmm. right? Exactly. Yeah, that, that was actually what would go through my head a lot. I'm glad you brought that up. I would say I don't have a problem because I'm not a daily drinker like a lot of the people, you know, out there. But then, like you said, negative consequences pretty much every time I drink. Um, and, and so that right there should have been the red flag. And obviously it was just, it was a lot of the alcohol and the way that, that your mind um, shifts when you're drinking that much alcohol is it's, it's going to keep, keep you coming back for more or try to keep you coming back for more. And so it's kind of just more of a defense mechanism. I think that your that your mind's doing while when you're consuming alcohol instead of looking at the big picture and saying, yep, negative consequences every time I do have a problem. So thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, thank you. And I think for many of us, our drinking behaviors and, and, and addiction is deeply linked to control. And I, I was a, a binge eater back when I was really struggling mm -hmm. with my eating disorder. And it, I felt so in control, you just making the decision of when I was going to choose to eat when I wasn't going to choose to not eat. And obviously, <laughs> there was still a very large problem underneath all of that. But for some reason, it, that made it feel like I was in charge. And it just made me prolong, yep. prolong the time and, and prolong the decision to to get help. So I, I do think those those two are similar. So yeah, thank you. Thank you, Dane. Yeah. And tell me a little bit about community or talking to people about this because we've talked about what was helping you but we all know and we always talk about this on the show of the importance of having support and having community and having connection to other people so where did you find this or did you even figure out that it was a piece of the solution what has community meant to you throughout this process so as a lot of people on here have said it, it was cafe re that that uh uh, led me, you know, to, to be able to think that it was okay to get help and to move on without a life of drinking. And that community right there, it doesn't have to be, you know, that you're physically in your own community with others that aren't drinking. Cafe RE has been great for me. I mean, that's been, that's been where I go to, to look at what people have posted for the day and try and provide as much input as I can to hopefully help people. And then I also get help from others as well. So, I mean, once that cup is full, where you're giving and you're receiving input, um, that's, that's all I needed. But there is a lot of people out there that could, you actually do the in-person, you know, they could go to AA, they could go to sober meetups, which I see a lot of you guys doing. I don't really have any, I don't believe where I'm from, but at the same time, uh, like I said, the, the cafe area has been enough for me and then listening to the podcast and knowing, knowing my goals and where I want to be in the future has motivated me extremely. Ah, that's good to hear. And how have your relationships with people in your life changed in terms of talking about this? Were you easily able to burn the ships and tell people, I'm just not drinking anymore? I know your sober date is 2020, so we still aren't really back to normal. But how have those conversations been with the people around you and your loved ones? It's It's been great. I mean, I'm, a, I'm an open book and a very honest person. And that's, you know, what I expect from other people, too. So I, I just let people know, you know, either no, I'm not drinking tonight, 
because that's the truth or just no I'm done drinking I, I haven't drank in 153 days I think that's what I'm at right now so I just tell people that and it's it's funny because I uh going out with friends they will actually ask me each time they see me so how many days are you at and so you know I'll give them the update and a lot of times these people are, are the ones that I've you know grew up drinking with and so it's you know that they're curious and you know that everybody else out there has probably had that that you know inkling or, or wondering in their head uh if they can stop drinking too because they probably see how it's affected their life as well yeah it's it's crazy what sometimes our decision brings up in other people so i'm also just really glad to hear that you are getting support from those friends a lot of the times our drinking buddies or so social circles of people that we used to be really close with, it just gets a little bit tricky because they were the people that we used to drink with. And, and you know, sometimes it gets uncomfortable or we we phase out of some relationships and that in itself is part of the journey. But I'm really glad to hear that you are getting people even ask you, you know, like, what day are you on? And I think it, it matters and it makes a difference. And that's accountability as well. So I'm glad that you've been sharing with people in your life as well yeah yeah and shout, shout out to paul for making the, the tracker that he has that that app has been awesome to be able to look at how much money i'm saving calories my days sober so yeah good job yeah it's a good motivator uh do you have a favorite yeah. non-alcoholic drink dane anything that you like now that you oh, are sober yes i do and and you know what it's actually a tie so i like the Topo Chico, and there's also a brand that Fred Myers uh, makes, and that's just called Seltzer Water. And I just like that full carbonated, you know, feeling. And and both of those definitely do it for me. And I also, if I'm in a situation where I know there's going to be a lot of drinking, I'll bring a couple um, NA beers, and so that'll that'll be anything from the Coors non-alcoholic. Um, or O'Doul's, what, whatever's kind of on the shelf um, that, I'm, that I'm feeling. But I, I've, it's funny, I found that after one or two of the NA beers, I'll just switch to the carbonated water because I just, I, I don't even, I don't even enjoy it that much anymore. Yeah, I hear you. It's like, what's, what's the point? I do love some, some <laughs> NA beers yeah. myself, but I just feel like it's a one and done thing. And then yeah, soda water. Topo, yes, exactly. Topo Chico is delicious. And, and we always joke that you can pop open a Topo Chico and then leave it on your nightstand. And then the next morning you could take a sip and it's still as carbonated. So yes, it's the best uh, one out there. It's <laughs> awesome. It is. It is. I love it. That's awesome. Have you noticed any changes in your daily routine, Dane? Like a day in the life right now, you're going to be six months in. How does it look like? You know, what I have been noticing is I am sleeping a lot more. So it's almost like I'm needing nine hours of sleep to get my full sleep down. And I, I like to be as productive as, as possible. So I feel like I'm sleeping too much, but I'm also trying to let my body heal the way that it, it needs to and I, I don't know if I will ever get out of that whole sleep schedule or if I'll have to have the eight to nine hours but right now I'm just kind of still learning I guess you know I'm still learning on as far as how much uh, sleep I need and then um, as far as 
pretty much my day-to-day routine. I'm, I go back to work on the 22nd of this month. And so right now what I'm doing is I, I'll wake up and I'll get a, a decent breakfast if I'm not fasting for the day and go to hit my workout. And then I will go work on uh, one of the rental properties that, that I need to get rented out. And so I'll do that and then try and get out, you know, outdoors as much as I can. And so, like I said before, I take the, the exercise, uh, whether that's yoga or, or CrossFit, and then trying to get back into meditation as well, whether that's just sitting for 10 minutes and just trying not to think about anything or, um, you know, actually getting into the a deep meditation. And I find I do that best when I do yoga. So uh, that's pretty much what I'm doing right now. And, and then add in, you know, eating as healthy as possible. And, and that's my routine for now. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned sleep because it does get so much better with time. And I'm glad you're giving mm-hmm. yourself permission to heal and listen to your body because I feel like our body was put on the back burner for so long. And I'm amazed because the body gets used to really shitty treatment, just as it can get used to really good treatment, it can get used to really bad treatment. And I feel like that's the case for many of us when we were drinking. And now it's restoring itself. So right now it looks like eight to nine hours of sleep for you, it could look differently in six months in a year. But I'm glad you're just kind of letting it do its thing and writing it out and not measuring your productivity levels because it's probably you know sleep that you're making up for and it's good sleep you know I had really I always slept well but when I was drinking I wasn't sleeping deeply I wasn't getting the rest that that now I know this is good stuff (laughs) yeah yeah and and one thing I'll add to that too is is just I've started to notice the expectations when you put expectations on things you're kind of putting a time limit on things or, or you're trying to uh, predict how something will turn out or how someone will react. So I've tried to do my best to uh, limit my expectations and just do, do what I can, you know, with the time that I have in each day and not put so many expectations on things anymore. You know what? And that was a really nice, unexpected perk of this journey that I noticed as well. And the the cool thing is that when you start giving yourself more grace and lowering those expectations, then it's basically the same outcome for how we relate ourselves to other people. So I noticed that I was being very, you know, easy to judge and I was easy to blame other people, easy to expect a lot and then have no grace if that expectation wasn't being met. And I feel like just in putting in the work for myself, I'm able to relate to other people in a much healthier way. So I was like, man, this just keeps getting better and better. (laughs) The problems don't go away, but I feel like at least I can, you know, communicate better and and just try to be a better person. Yeah. And it also kind of lowers our stress levels as well. And then we got to realize that it is okay to you know, love ourselves again and and give ourselves the time to heal and rest that we need. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Dane, well, we've reached the rapid fire round. And if you can answer these questions on 30 seconds or less, that would be fabuloso. Are you ready? I think so. Yeah. Okay. What is a light bulb moment that you've had during this journey? A light bulb moment I've had is that I feel the best that I have felt physically and mentally in it's as far as I can remember. And so whenever I think about drinking, 
I go back to what's, you know, true to myself, which is I've been wanting to feel this good physically and mentally, you know, since I was a child. So what would be the point in going back to alcohol? What would you say to your younger self? What I would say to my younger self is I did have a great time drinking, you know, and, and, but then what I would say to my younger self is go ahead and, and try that experiment if you'd like, but then ask, you know, ask yourself at what cost are you, you willing to give up, you know, your character or the goals that you have for alcohol. So if, if you can kind of experiment and be okay and not take it too far, then by all means go for it. But, but always have in the back of your mind what your true goals are for your life and your body and your health. What's your favorite ice cream flavor, Dane? Oh, by far, it's, it's the uh, Tonight Dough from Ben & Jerry's. So good. It's got peanut butter. Yeah, have you had it? I've had it. Peanut butter chunks. Doesn't it have some uh, oh, cookie God. dough as cookie well? Dough. Yeah, it's got everything in there. What parting piece of guidance can you give listeners who are thinking about ditching the booze? Don't feel like it has to be overnight, like right away. Like, yeah, you're going to feel shitty. And you're going to have all these thoughts creep in. And the easiest thing to do is to go back to drinking because it'll take all that stuff away uh, temporarily. But if you can just be, be your best self, which means you're going to put in the hard work to, to get over the drinking, and then you realize why you are actually drinking, if you can put in the work to get to, to that point, you, you'll be fine. But it's just getting through those hard times without the alcohol as the crutch that's the key. And before we depart, Dane, can you give listeners your own, you may have to say adios to booze if line. Oh, man, I was thinking a lot about this one. <laughs> you may have to say adios to booze. It's not really a funny one, but it's if, if you're, you know, you, you almost die, um, you know, three times from a car accident and almost lose your arm then you definitely should look at your life and, and ditch the booze. I'm so glad that you reached out. I'm so glad that you made it out from that accident and that you are living your best life now and that you continue to be surprised by sobriety. I know there's just the best to come still. So thank you so much, Dane. And thanks for sharing your story with us. Of course. And th thank you for everything that you and Paul do. And even, you know, the moderators that we have on Cafe Ari and, and Team Blue. So uh, I appreciate everything you guys do. Thank you. Enjoy your weekend. Okay. Take care. Okay. Bye, Odette. Bye. Very well, Team Ari. That wraps up our interview for today. And before I say adios, of course, a challenge. Time to create and build your arsenal of whys. Grab your pen and paper and get a list going. Find all of the reasons as to why you want to stay committed to your decision to ditch the booze. Writing should give you clarity, inspiration, and focus. You should feel empowered every time you read that list, a reminder of your strength and your potential. Remember that you're not alone and together is always better. Thank you for being a part of my own arsenal of wise. Recovery Elevator, this isn't a no to alcohol, but a yes to a better life. I love you guys. Get out of the 
thinking.